Welcome to the Locking Castle Podcast. This Sunday morning's teaching is part of the Bible in two years. Fantastic. It's wonderful to be able to come and share with you from these scriptures. Uh, in the middle of the section of John that we've been reading, going through the Bible uh, in two years, we've been reading through John chapters 4 to 10. What have we found there? John 4, Jesus goes to Galilee. So he's heading off to Galilee, and on the way he meets a woman at a well in Samaria that results in a life-changing encounter for her and her community. And I read that Jesus was on his way. And then we have this story, and through this story we get explained to us the core of the gospel. And it's almost like Jesus was on a mission, and then as a side, this thing happened. And sometimes I feel myself I can be so focused on what I've got to do that I don't want any other interruption Uh, but Jesus wasn't like that he was prepared to be uh, interrupted in fact it was a bit more than that because Jesus it says sat down at the well because he was tired of the journey and you know life can get sometimes we can just feel I need a rest I just need a bit of me time that's the phrase today and I think it's swimming (laughs) swinging a long way that way But Jesus wasn't like that. He wasn't focused on me time. He was focused on the Lord's work. And he sensed in this woman there was something. And so even though he was tired, even though he wasn't supposed to be doing ministry, even though this wasn't the main focus of what he's doing, he responded to her. And we have explained to us this fabulous explanation about what he offers us through through the gospel. Jesus didn't see his in-between time between the ministry times as wasted time. (laughs) And often we can feel like that. Oh, come on, let's hurry on to the next bit. It was the in-between time here that was so crucial. And both of those things just kind of leapt out to me as I I was reading. He arrives in Galilee, and a a fantastic healing takes place. And John is full of healings, and these past chapters are full of action. Um, In this example, uh, he heals a nobleman's son just by saying... At this point now, he's going to recover. Just keep your eyes open as you go through for Jesus' method. (laughs) Laugh because there is no method. (laughs) That's how he did it with this one. He does it just different with somebody else, makes mud for somebody else. Uh, It's it's all different. There's no method. And it's great to see an example here. Chapter 5 comes another healing. Again, not ideal circumstances here. It's the Sabbath day. And doing work, this work, would upset the religious people. But Jesus does it anyway. And overturning the law. Because Jesus said to the man, when he healed him, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was Sabbath on that day. That's what the verse says. Now... The next book we're going into in our reading of the Bible is Exodus. So it's a bit of a spoiler here for Exodus. Chapter 31, it says, Therefore you to observe the Sabbath, it's holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. So this law about keeping the Sabbath, there was strong penalty in this. This is significant. Jeremiah prophesied to the people of Israel at a time when they were ignoring the Sabbath and he says this, chapter 17, uh, verses 21. 
he says to the people, take heed for yourselves and do not carry any load on the Sabbath day. Okay, don't carry any load on the Sabbath day. That's fulfilling the Sabbath law. If you break the law, you're, guilty. you're going to be put to death. Jesus says, take up your pallet and walk. What's going on? How can he do this? The book of Hebrews explains it. And I was chatting with a friend of mine. He just shared this with me just a, a couple of months ago. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. It says, for when the priesthood is changed, of necessity there takes a change of the law as well. When there's a new priest in place, a new priesthood, there's a new law. Jesus comes as our new high priest. The priests, we'll read in Exodus, came from the line of the tribe of Levi. And we know about the tribe of Levi because we've read in Genesis, and it's one of Joseph's sons, and that, that was that tribe. That was the priestly tribe. Jesus didn't come from that line. He came from Judah. So Jesus is coming as a new priesthood. With a new priesthood comes a new law. Jesus comes and lives out and shows us what that law is like. And I think it's really important to understand that and keep that in mind when we start to read stuff in Exodus and the other things, Leviticus and Numbers and all this, these law stuff. And we think, what's that, all that stuff got to do with me? Because some of it can be pretty bloodthirsty. Some of it can be very confusing. And think, well, what's the relevance? All of that was pointing towards a new law that was going to come, a new priesthood that was going to come. So keep that in mind. Don't get distracted by the detail there but just understand it's pointing towards the new law that was going to come in Jesus so Jesus was acting out his new priesthood and the new law and it was this transformation of the law enacted by Jesus the new high priest that caused half the trouble that he had with the Jewish religious authorities and ultimately led to his death the other half of the trouble that Jesus generated for himself was the way Jesus referred to himself with language that equated himself to God. And in this, this chapter, he explains the evidence that there is to substantiate his claim to be God's son. He tells, but he says to, the, to, to those who are giving him trouble, look, you don't believe because you don't want to believe. You don't want to believe. Chapter 6 got the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus is doing something here that is showing that he's coming in with a new law. Who gave the law in the Old Testament? Moses. What did Moses do with the people as they were moving through? Again, spoiler alert for Exodus, sorry. Uh, going through the wilderness, they're all hungry. Moses organized the food for them, praying to God. So Moses fed the people in the wilderness. Jesus feeds the people in the wilderness. Moses, towards the end of his life, said, there will come after me one who I'm the prophetic image for. There will come one, speaking of Jesus. Moses spoke looking towards Jesus. But Jesus does things to make himself visibly the new Moses. Also in chapter 6, there's another act where he equates himself with the creator because he overrules creation. And the laws of physics. As a physics teacher, I understand these things. You know. so, <laughs> he walks on water. Just shouldn't happen. 
but he does. How can he do that? Because he's overall, he's in charge, he's above it. He created the laws that generated the idea of gravity and all of that stuff. He is God, he's over it. Jesus challenges the, the people who are following him about their motives after the feeding of the 5,000. He asks them, are you following me because of the entertainment and because of the good food? Or are you following me because of something else? And there were people who were following him because they'd caught something. There was something about Jesus that drew them to him and him to them. There was a connection there. And that's what they were after. Whereas others were there just for the entertainment or for the food. And to help sift out the two groups, he starts to use difficult language. He refers to his own body as flesh that they're going to eat and, and blood that they're going to drink, knowing how offensive that's going to be to some people. But he's doing it so that those whose hearts are joined to him will say, Jesus, you're so confused. I don't know what you're talking about. But I know, as Peter said, you're the one who's got eternal, the words of eternal life. So I'm going to handle the fact that you talk about stuff I don't understand, but continue to follow you because I know you, I, I know who you are, and I've got nowhere else to go. And sometimes it's like that when we're reading the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, that we have to hang on in there. We know God loves us. We know the kind of person he is. So the confusing stuff that we read about, don't get hung up on it. If you want to try and... Uh, and uh, and disprove God, then you can do it by using the Bible. And, and, and it's very easy. If you don't want to know him, you can discredit him. If you want to know him, all the stuff that's there to discredit him, it, it, it sorts itself out. That's been my experience in the 60-odd years that I've been reading the Bible. We just trust that the problem when we're reading the Bible is with our understanding and our interpretation, the problem isn't with God. Chapter 7, Jesus chooses his moment to enter a more public arena at a great feast. And he makes one of his great speeches, um, prophetic proclamations. I think we'll have the next slide. I was just about to come out this morning, uh, just praying again about this morning, and then God gave me a picture. <laughs> so rush upstairs, find on, on, on Google the picture I wanted to use. So a couple of pictures here, and explain. Well, the picture God showed me was of a puddle. And then also a spring of water. And I felt what he was saying through the, the, the two pictures is that there are times for all of us, and there are specifically people here this morning, whose experience of the life of God is like a puddle. You go somewhere, you, you have an experience, and you get filled up. But then life comes along, and, the, and traffic and, and people kick the water out, and the sun comes out, and it dries up, and it gets mudded, and the water gets lost. And then we've got to go somewhere or just wait for another filling up of the puddle. And then the whole cycle goes again that isn't the experience Jesus is offering us to have puddles of water 
right? What he's offering us is the spring. We read it there. On the last day of the great feast, this is um, in chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke of this, of the, of the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. If anyone is thirsty, there's a choice. If you wanted to believe in him, you'd follow him. If you don't want to believe him, you'll seek to disprove him. If you want to follow him, if you're thirsty, there's the if there. God doesn't force us into anything, but he makes us the offer. And the offer is here this morning. And I believe it is significant for some people, particularly this morning. The offer is there. If you're thirsty, and you may have drunk before, but if you're thirsty for more, just think of Arnold. <laughs> cup after cup, drinking after drinking. Yeah. If you're thirsty, what does he say? Let him come to me. Come to him. Let's come to him again this morning. Maybe even come to him for the first time this morning to drink. And his promise is this isn't just going to be an experience that will just evaporate off. But what he offers isn't like normal water. It's miraculous water. It's living water. Something happens on the inside. So the inside of you, it becomes a source. So you haven't got to go to a particular place for an experience. The experience can be wherever you are. The source is within you. The Holy Spirit living within you. It's what he promises. And I love the generosity of God in, in, in this. He says, doesn't say, he, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you a drink. And that's it. And I'll give you a little stream of experience. He says, it's going to be from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not even just one river. I mean, one river. I mean, come on, that's a lot. <laughs> he says, rivers of living water are going to flow to you. That's his nature. That's his character. That's what he's gone off on offer. And I get excited about it because so often we just limit him. And we can be so mean in our thinking and, 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 and put our thinking on him, making God in our image... That, that, that we can be economical and want to save and, 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 and that whole I, God's generous God does things extravagantly and we've sung about creation already this morning, particularly in the, in the first uh, service if you just look at creation look at what he makes he, he could have made you know, three types of butterfly and that was it how many types he made? I don't know, thousands he's generous he says if you want to know what he's like look to creation and we're looking at the Bible to learn what he's like, which is great. But he also says you will learn about him by looking at creation. God is a God of variety, a God of generosity. And in this, he's being generous. He's saying to us, come to me, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And that spoke to me about he will... 
work with us in every aspect of life. Last time I came and, and, and spoke here, we talked about the vision of the temple in Ezekiel, and that from that temple came a river. <laughs> and it was, was a little stream to start with, got deeper and deeper, wider and wider, and it said it was water that was fresh, and wherever it went, it turned salty water fresh. It made life wherever it flowed. And that's what God's got for us, a spring within us out of which flows rivers of living water. So where those rivers flow brings life. And that's in every aspect of our life. Life, yes, with God, yes, with the church, yes, with the family, yes, with the community, yes, with your work, yes, with creativity and your artistry. All of it, every aspect of life, God will cause to be, you to be, a source of life if you let it flow out from within you. And all of that can be yours if you come to him, if you ask him. There's chapter 7. Chapter 8, the law, the story opens with the woman taking an adultery. And again, Jesus overturns the old law and shows his new law. He lives it out in the way in which he dealt with her. He then goes on to tell the crowds more about himself with resonances of, genera- of, of Genesis creation making himself out to be God or, or God-like. And the more he explains, the more angry uh, the religious people get, culminating in the crowds trying to stone him. Chapter 9, a blind man is healed, and of course, Jesus does it on a Sabbath day in a way to provoke, ironically, the blindly religious people. And we can think, well, Jesus, are you just picking Sabbath days to do your healing on? Uh, well, Later in John, it says, no, actually, Jesus did so much that in John's thinking, the world couldn't contain all the books that would have to be written to explain all that Jesus had done. So Jesus is doing a lot more than is actually just recorded here. We've got some highlights, and John's picking out the highlights that happened on the Sabbath day to show us that Jesus was about doing something to bring in the new law with his new priesthood. And so Jesus did heal on other days of the week, but there's a real significance about the Sabbath day healings. Chapter 10, Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd, a further claim to be God. We, read, we will read in Exodus that the idea of God as the shepherd of Israel bringing them out of Egypt is a strong one, with Moses there being the, the earthly representative of that shepherd. So again, Jesus is the new Moses. He doesn't say, I am the shepherd of Israel. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And that's even more provoking, making himself perhaps out to be even better than Moses. And again, that winds up the religious authorities. So the religious people got more and more angry with him, but the chapter ends, uh, chapter 10, with it saying, many believed in him there. Those that loved him, those that had that spirit alive connection to him, believed in him and putting ourselves into the story we know we've got a choice and decisions to make will we try and kill him or disprove him or will we believe in him here and now and I'd just like to finish up with a line that the woman at the well said she said sir give me this water so I will not be thirsty 
And God's giving us the opportunity this morning to pray that prayer. So let's just close our eyes for a minute. We want to thank you, Lord, for what you offer here and now to us. With your huge generosity that from our innermost beings can flow rivers of living water if we're thirsty, if we ask you. So just at this point in time, if you're thirsty, then ask him. You can lift your hands, just turn your face to him and ask him, Lord Jesus, come fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Let your waters come into me and become that spring welling up to eternal life. Rivers of living water flowing out from my life in all aspects of it, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that for us this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.